It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Do you know there's a move you may be able to make that just that one move could line your pocket with hundreds of dollars every year? I'm going to tell you all about it in just a few minutes. I want to talk right now about news of the weird. Who would have ever thought of this? But a hot trend in corporate America is having customer no service handled by fellow customers. So if you have a question or problem or whatever with a company's product or service and you do a chat, the chat may well be with a fellow customer. A number of companies now are using customers as the experts and paying them to answer questions and finding that they're getting much better results from having customer service provided by fellow customers than by the call center kind of things that companies have do the work for them. Now, There's so much to say about this, I don't know where to start. First things first, it tells you how the customer no service numbers you call are not at all equipped to provide real service to someone. They're not allowed to really solve problems. It's almost always third party. They are not given authority to actually fix a problem for someone. And they're judged by how many calls they take, how quickly they get people off the line and all the rest at these third-party call centers. No wonder people hate dealing with them. On the other hand, when it comes to technical questions or things like that, customers could be a much better source and level of expertise available than talking or doing a chat or whatever with one of these outside call center kind of people. And according to Business Week, several companies are not only saving money, but they have much higher customer satisfaction scores following an interaction, having customers handle questions, complaints, whatever, than having these outside centers. So some of the people doing it now, Samsung, Pinterest, LinkedIn, using what are referred to as amateur experts. And people, you don't get paid a lot of money for doing interactions. It starts answering with somebody with a chat a couple of bucks. But if you're someone who shows a real level of knowledge and expertise, which the marketplace automatically sorts out, you can end up making potentially decent money doing this. And (laughs) who knew? Who knew that you could be the expert who's able to generate income from doing it? The guess by Business Week is this is going to become much more common that you'll have an opportunity to be someone who is of help to others 
and actually got paid to do it. Kevin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Clark. How are um, you? I'm fine. Doing fine. So you Listen, are a saver. Well, I'm trying. I Due to the economy crash a few years ago and my business dropping, I'm ha- basically starting over. So I'm trying, at 47, I'm trying to make some wise choices so I can accelerate my savings over the next 15 to 20 years. All right. And so you are someone who did suffer from the collapse of the economy last decade. Yes, sir. I um, had a business, had to let folks go, but uh, I was I was never unemployed, but I was drastically underemployed working several part-time jobs which forced me to, you know, take from my retirement to meet my obligations and, and try to maintain my home during that time period. But fortunately, I, I was able to get a start a new career. That business that was once full-time is now kind of part-time, and so I can supplement my income with that. And um, with this new career came 401K and other, you know, other uh, retirement or investment options uh, to generate some income. Well, I am so glad that things are turning up for you. And now you're ready to save. How many employees do you have? I, I don't have any employees now. The, the business that I have that was once uh, employed several people, now it's just a small consulting business that I just run and work by myself. Well, I got to uh, tell you, that gives you such flexible, low-cost options for you right. to do exactly what you said and save for retirement. Right. And I'm going to give you two options to look at. One of them is something known as the self-employed or solo 401k, and you can put a huge amount of money into one, and the administrative costs to have one are zero. You can go to any of the low-cost companies I have on my investment guide and open a solo or self-employed 401k and go into the really, really low-cost choices to invest in in it. And you can do either a solo Roth 401k or a solo traditional 401k. So either pre-tax where you get a tax deduction up front with taxes due when you do retire down the road, or you can pay the tax hit up front and have the money flow to you and all its earnings tax-free in retirement. That's option one. Well, let me interject real okay. quick. I I actually have a, another full-time job that I work oh. for another company. Yeah. And All right. so the, the consulting business is, is simply on the side as, as I need to or, you know, whatnot. So oh, then I got the answer for that. Okay. It's so the I got second, a 401k at the other company. Right. And, so, so keep right. slapping money as much as you can into that 401k with that employer. And if you have option of a Roth 401k, do that. Because the second thing you can do with your self-employed income is you can do a SEP, a Simplified Employee Pension, right? that allows you to put roughly one-fourth of your earnings from your self-employed work into a pre-tax, basically, regular IRA. But it's called a SEP. Again, they're free to set up. The paperwork to open one takes about a minute and a half. And the same low-cost companies on my investment guide you can use to open the SEP. And between the 401k at the employer and the SEP you do with your self-employed income, you will be able to roll huge amounts of money into catch-up for retirement. And I'm so glad you're back on your feet. Fazil is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. You want to talk about whether your current home should be the best home for you to stay in? Yes. Um, so actually, I'm looking for maybe like a couple of years. I might need one more room than I have in the current house. So I have like a couple of options here. I can either add a room to my current residence or I can go out and buy another house with the right number of rooms. So I found a couple of homes and they are around 150 above my current uh, mortgage, 150,000 above my current mortgage. So I want to get your opinion on it. So you said 150 above your current mortgage or 150 about your 150,000. One, 150,000. That would be how much you'd have to borrow total? No, that would be adding to the oh. uh, the price of my current house. Oh. Well, so there are there are several things that are both financially related and those that are not in making this decision. The neighborhood that you live in first do you love it? Yeah, I love it. And the other house also I'm looking at is not far away from this neighborhood. Um, Also, some of the deal breakers that I'm looking at is the current house is a single-story house with a large lot. The other houses I'm looking at are two stories. They have small lot, but they have two stories, so they have more area, but, um, you know. All right. So the first thing you already answered, you do love the house you're in, is the neighborhood and even the further out area where you're looking at the alternative, the other, the other home that you're talking about, the two-story, is the general area on its way up, down, or sideways? I think it's going up because um, the house I bought, the neighborhood I'm in, I got like thirty, forty thousand above the price I bought in. So the area I'm looking into, it's also going up. I don't mean price. I mean the feel of the neighborhood. Is it? Are people taking more care of the houses than when you got in there? Are people, are the lawns looking as good or better as when you bought in? I think they're pretty much the same. Um, okay. Because the community I went to the other house, um, it looks pretty nice. Okay. Uh, it's also a corner lot, and uh, I saw new houses building there, so it's a nice community. Okay. So uh, then we come to the lifestyle part of this. Have you ever lived through a project where an addition or renovation is being done to a home? No. I will tell you, having been through it three times... It's not fun. (laughs) Why I did it the second and third time, I have no clue. But it's not fun living through that project. And so you have to look at that you're going to have four to eight months of disruption in your life. And from a lifestyle standpoint, are you comfortable with that? It depends. Um, actually, recently, like, it hailed here, so we had to replace the roof and do some repair work. So we had a little bit of experience with renovation, but we have not gone through the eight-month period that you're talking about right now. Uh, The other aspect is that the cost of adding on per square foot is higher than the cost typically of what someone sticks up building a home from scratch. So it will be more expensive than you might expect to add that square footage, but you you should get estimates on it. It should be very specific. So really, the money difference you'll find is more a lifestyle decision for you to make than it's going to be dollars and cents. Also, like the interest rate have gone up, so the 
when I did the, you know, like the mortgage on it, I got like 3.5, but when I go right now, it's 4.35. Yeah. All right. So, yes, that is an expense, but how are you going to fund the addition to your home? I think I'm financially good with it. I just. You could write a check for the addition? Actually, I have like two years, so I might look into like, you know, doing it phase by phase or maybe like, you know. All right. Well, with everything said and the fact that you're happy where you are, if you think you can live with the project of doing the renovation, I'd stay and add on because it seems like you're really comfortable in that house. If you told me, ah, this house is okay, I could take it or leave it, I'd leave it. I don't hear you saying that. And that's why it's probably best to stay and add on unless you through bids, find that the cost of doing the renovation is huge, then you move. Paul is with us. Hello, Paul. How are you? Not too bad, Clark. Paul, you're going on a cruise? Yes, I am. Well, congratulations. Three night, four night, seven night, 10, 14. How long? Five days to the Bahamas. Well, I hope that it's a wonderful, great experience. Well, I haven't been on a cruise that I didn't enjoy yet. That's neat. You know, I I was somebody who did not enjoy cruises. I went on cruises long ago, and I have a son who was absolutely obsessed with cruises after the the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic, which sounds completely counterintuitive. But I took him on a cruise, and we had a great time. And then we went on another one with the family. Now we're going on another one. And... My poor oldest daughter works full-time and can't go on any of these cruises with us. But we've had a a really great experience, all of us, on it. How can I be of help? Well, I was wondering about um, travel insurance for this, you know, because we have to fly down to Fort Lauderdale. We're going to fly the day before, but just in case, I just wondered who you would recommend for travel insurance. Well, travel insurance with a cruise is very important. Because a cruise, they don't care why you don't come. They're not going to give you your money back. They keep your money no matter what it is. You can have a terrible health story, you tell them. You could have a horrible loss of somebody's life in your family. Cruise lines check their hearts at the port. They will not help you no matter what. So you've got to buy trip insurance and usually it'll be about six cents on the dollar, the value of the cruise. So okay. how much what is your five-night cruise? You're not going to believe it. It's $570 for both of us. So with that kind of price, you're talking about about no money at all for cruise insurance. Gosh, probably 30 some odd dollars. Yeah. There's a website I'd like for you to compare policies at. It's called okay. insuremytrip.com. Okay. And if you go to Insure My Trip, they'll have a variety of policies you can choose from. And how long ago did you book your cruise? About two weeks ago. Okay, that's very important because when you look at policies, a lot of them will not pay off for a medical issue if they can in any way show it was pre-existing. If you fail to buy within, depending on the policy, 10 or 14 days. So get all over this and check out what exclusions they have since it's been a couple of weeks since you booked. And again, insuremytrip.com is my favorite place 
for you to do that shopping. Joel, let's see if we can sneak in and ask Clark here. Sure, Clark. Craig wrote in. He says, I'm in the market for a new flat screen TV. Do you have any advice on where I should look to get the best deal? My best advice to get the best deal is buy a no-name TV. Not so much the store you buy it at, but that you buy what's called a third-level or white-label TV brand that is uh, who knows what brand it is. The reliability of the TVs has been so good across brands. Buy cheap, biggest screen size you can fit in your house. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. And you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. There is a simple opportunity to save money that most people don't know about and don't take advantage of. As I've explained in the past, almost everybody buying a new or used car finances it, if they're taking out a loan, at the car dealer. The percent that are financing at the dealer is north of 80%. And car dealers are offering a service they should get paid for. They can mark up the loan, depending on who the lender is, from a couple of extra points to as high as the sky. A lot of people whose credit is kind of in the fuzzy middle, let's say in the 600s, end up paying very high interest rates for their vehicle loans. In fact, it's a huge source of profit for the car dealers because they may be able to wholesale the money at a very low single-digit interest rate, but retail the loan to you in double digits. And so it creates an enormous opportunity for you even after the fact to save money. Think about if you're a member of a credit union and you don't really think about all the things the credit union can do for you. One of the things a credit union can do that's fantastic is refi your car loan. And so credit unions do a big refi business and it's all sliding scale interest rates based on your credit score. But it's not at all unusual for you to be able to save a lot of money. Here's an example from the Detroit Free Press about a credit union that does a big refinance thing for its members. The members come in with an average loan interest rate of 14.5%. So this is a credit union serving people who have that fuzzy middle kind of credit scores. They refinance them at an average interest rate of 6.75%. So think about that. They come in the door paying 14.5%. They walk out of the door paying 6.75%. Now that is a huge difference in what happens with your monthly bills each and every month going forward. For people who have top-tier credit scores, you would be shocked at how low the interest rates can go. Even with the increases in interest rates we've seen from the Federal Reserve, it may even be possible for you to refi into an interest rate in the twos or threes. So what does it cost to refi a car loan? Nothing, usually. 
And so if you are a member of a credit union and you never really thought about the whole car loan thing and you're carrying a loan, go check and see if there is a deal they can make for you that'll just save you money. The worst that happens is they say, no, it's not going to be a deal for you. The best that happens is you're saving money each and every month. Jeremy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my question. Well, I'm glad to do so. You want to talk credit cards? I do. So my question actually uh, pertains to, uh, we use credit cards as uh, a payment system, especially ones that give us good cashback rewards that are on rotating categories. And, uh, wow, you have more was, patience than I do. I got to tell you, Jeremy, I can't, my brain cannot process rotating categories of rewards. <laughs> it, it took getting used to, and I will say that uh, I think you refer to them as back of the wallet cards. I call them couch cards because we used this one card a long time ago to buy a couch. And okay. uh, <laughs> so I got, a, I got an offer in the mail for 10% cash back for a certain category. So I, I definitely jumped on that. But my question is, is all these, these cards that use these categories, uh, so my wife is kind of the yin and I'm the yang in um, online payments here, and so she's in the Apple sphere, so she would be using potentially Apple Pay, uh, and I would be using Android Pay, so the more frugal side there. And uh, my question is, when you use alternative payment processors, uh, maybe those payments or those charges are not going to be reflected as the correct category. And so my question is, is, is if you use Apple Pay or Android Pay, when those charges go through, are they going to show up as Apple Pay or Android Pay, or are they going to show up at, say, a grocery chain where I get a certain amount of cash? Yeah, back? they'll show up at the chain. See, with, okay. with Apple Pay and Android Pay, what they both do is they create a safer payment environment because they're using far more sophisticated technology to transmit a payment than what the banks use with their credit cards so it's a more secure platform when she pays with apple pay and you pay with android pay and all it is 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 the trans it's the way the payment information is transmitted to the store you're paying so it should have zero effect on you getting those reward bonuses in the rotating categories okay great and you would know know that if there was any problem, you'd know that right away, because okay. your first statement would show that, and you'd and uh, you'd probably have to call customer no service and get it credited <laughs> to the right category. But I I've never heard of anybody having a problem where it did not properly migrate to the right category using uh, Samsung Pay, Apple Pay, Android Pay, or who knows who else's Pay. Okay. Well, great. That answers my question then. All right. Have a great day. Andrea is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andrea. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm such a big fan. Thanks for taking my call. Sure was great to have you here. You have something that isn't as great as you'd like. You have student loans to deal with. I do have student loans. So so here's my, here's my conundrum. So I've been out of school for two years. Just getting around to refinancing. Currently, I am part-time, but I have plans to go full-time 
because of my income to debt ratio, um, you know, currently with my part-time income, I do need a co-signer on my loan. So I was wondering what your thoughts are. Should I wait to go full-time to start refinancing so my income to debt ratio is not what it is now? Or should I take out, you know, because I, I had asked my parents if they would be willing to co-sign and, and they were asking about like a temporary life insurance plan if I were, I'm mean, not expecting to croak, but like if I get hit by a bus <laughs> or something. Like, <laughs> they don't want to be stuck be with them if you to, depart you know, the earth. That. So I was just wondering what your take was on all that. All right. So let's go back a step, Andrea. Your loans that you have, that you've had uh, since you got out two years ago, are they federal or private? They're mostly federal. Um, I have about maybe uh, 18000 private. Uh, and how much total in federal would you guess? Okay, don't cringe too much, but it's about seventy-eight. Okay, so no, that's actually good. You want much more, if not all, federal and yeah. as little as possible private. So the federal loans, you don't want to co-mingle with the private and any kind of refi. Okay. So the federal loans tend to have decent interest rates. Do you know, because yours would be at various rates, what rates yeah. you are on your various federal? They're anywhere from like 35 to 6.8, I think is the highest. Okay, so the lower ones, there's no way you'd want to look at refining. You don't need a cosigner for any of those. The six, okay. the six point eight, by standards of recent years, this was undergraduate loans, not graduate. Um, they're both. Okay, because the graduates are probably the ones that are six point eight. But the yeah. neat thing with the federal is you can take your federal loans and have them under the direct federal program known as revised pay as you earn okay and under that program the loan payment you're required to make is automatically adjusted up or down based on your income so the fact that you're working part-time you may not have any obligation to make payments at all and still be considered to be current okay so the federal loans, you don't want to take them and migrate them to any kind of private refinance. Okay. In addition, with the federal loans, what is it you do for a job? What kind of field are uh, you in? I'm a veterinarian. Okay. I don't know. Is veterinary medicine a field that gets you loan forgiveness after 10 years? I don't think it is. Okay. So otherwise, it would be 20 typically if you're under revised pay as you earn. Okay. But if your income uh, doesn't climb by a very large amount and your paying is required under revised pay as you earn, your loan balance is forgiven eventually on the federal. Okay. So okay. that's why you don't want to commingle those at all. I see. Okay. And by the way, I know this means you're an ultra brilliant person because it's said that it's much harder to get into veterinary medicine school than it is into traditional medical school. I don't know about the brilliant part. <laughs> so on the private loans, what interest rates do they carry? I'm not sure if I could tell you that right off the bat. All right. So until you get your arms around what kind of rates you have in terms on the private loans, okay. I wouldn't do anything moving forward with doing any kind of refi or anything like that. 
But okay. the only loans you would want to consider refining are those private ones. And okay. maybe you do wait until you have the full-time gig as a veterinarian, and then you'll have the income to support refining on your own without your parents, and then you don't have to get into that thing that makes them uncomfortable. Okay. But even after I go full-time, should I still leave the federal Completely. The federal you leave alone? the federal loans on their own. But again, move them, if they're not already, move them into revised pay as you earn. Okay. Okay. All right. Best to you as a vet. Oh, gosh. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks for everything you do. Sure. Bye-bye. Tom is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Tom. Hi. Tom, you want to talk about LEDs. Yeah, I got the bright idea to replace my LED bulbs in the house with, um, get the incandescent out with the LED bulbs in, and my wife thinks it's a waste to get rid of these good incandescent bulbs. So... Your wife is always right except today. Okay. Because the math is overwhelming that you, whatever friend you have who is tradition-bound and loves the old bulbs, just give them to them as a gift, a relative, a friend, whatever, because what you're doing is going to save you so much money. The quality of the LED bulbs today, fantastic. Has your wife been happy with the light? that the LEDs you've chosen to put in? Is she happy with what they cast? Um, not really. I need to get some warmer bulbs, and it's, it's hard to shop for that in the store. You know, I don't know how warm is warm. Once you know what the, what the color rating is on it, you can then buy that color rating that's the one that she likes anywhere. You can even mm-hmm. do something as low-tech as buying a couple of different packages of them of different color grades, and let her tell you which color she likes in the bulb, and then that's what you buy going forward. Okay. But the money you save is so enormous in the bulbs. Recently, I saw lamp bulbs for LED 60-watt equivalent at 99 cents. I mean, they've come way, 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 way down in cost. And without really trying that hard, you can buy them at $2 a pop. And then the electricity each bulb saves is gigantic and they'll last they'll outlast me tom do you know that the bulbs you buy today will still be burning and i'll be dead (laughs) that's how long they're gonna last that's a long time hope that doesn't happen though well so anyway um in this case when you look at the wallet you're completely right if you get the the light shade right the color of that bulb right your wife will be happy and you'll both be happy together because how much money you're going to save on those very reliable bulbs that'll last and last and last maybe for decades jerry joins us on the clark howard show hi jerry hi clark how are you thank you for taking my call certainly jerry well yeah i attended uh one of these vacation club presentations and they made a spectacular offer as far as buying into this package and then you're offered points my question is is do you really think that it is a value because i think i recall you hearing some time ago that these clubs were not really worth the investment so this is one where you buy points and then you exchange the points for vacation weeks at one place or all over the world 
all over the world. They have multiple locations. And, um, it's. Uh, have you signed up for this? Oh, uh, not yet. We made uh, like a promissory note, but we have to make our final decision. So we, I was just hoping to get promissory the, uh, note. Ooh, I'm very curious about that. How are you given three days, seven days? How many days are you given to tell them you don't uh, want to do this? Uh, ten days. Okay, I will tell you that there is never a circumstance that you want to do this. Never. They did say it was a timeshare, and we get one week, and we buy this mortgage-type deal. Yeah, it's a a 100% a ripoff. Okay, great. How much was it? Uh, they wanted twenty thousand buy-in, and then you pay like nine hundred dollars a year for maintenance fees. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that ever. I want you to think about how many vacations you could take, Jerry, for that twenty thousand dollars plus the interest you're going to pay for it on that promissory note plus nine hundred dollars a week that could go up whenever they want to make that higher. I mean, yeah, that was my that was my concern because they they talked about the the yearly maintenance fees, but they when I asked the question like, well, will these ever go up or you know if you know how are we protected? They wasn't able to answer that question. That no no they didn't want to answer that question. <laughs> so it is it, when you look at the ripoff meter, what they're pitching you if the worst ripoff I ever hear is a ten, something like this is an eight or a nine. Okay, great. I really appreciate your help. All right, now let me tell you something. When you cancel, you need to do so exactly as required under the contract. Right. So they, they just said to mail a letter. Oh, 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 But I always know you say, I always say you, you, everything you've done. Yeah, let me tell you, the thing with mailing the letter, they hope somebody goes and they buy a forever stamp and pop it on there and just drop it in a box and, gosh, they never got that. You have no proof you ever sent it. All right, it'll be certified. You do it by certified mail, return receipt requested. Okay, great. And do it exactly as required under the contract because okay. I'll tell you, you're not dealing with normal, everyday, decent people when you're at one of those pitches. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.